and welcome to mini episode 194 of real life ghost stories and i have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from september the 3rd 2022 and story number one comes from joe this happened many moons ago in the 1990s i think i was around 15 at the time and i'm now 44. a group of us used to stay over at our friend siobhan's house a lot everyone always got really creepy spooky vibes from that house her older twin brothers were often away, so we used to stay in their room. We used to watch horror films together. I remember watching The Entity on VHS, in there on a particularly stormy night, and being terrified of the film and the rain and tree branches lashing at the window. Years later, I read a book about murders in the local area, and a young woman had been murdered in the 1950s on that street. I would bet money was outside Siobhan's house. A few of us were in the kitchen slash dining room. Her family were out, so it was just a few of us. I think maybe four or five of us, including Siobhan. Suddenly, a blue orb-like light started darting around super quickly around the top of the dining room in the corners of the ceiling, just whizzing about madly. We did not know what it was. I remember Siobhan grabbing a kitchen knife. What good that would have done, I do not know. It continued zipping around and had a sort of crackling energy to it. Then it just went away. It disappeared completely. It probably only lasted about five minutes, but it felt longer. I'm still good friends with a few of the girls there that evening and we all remember it so clearly. Was it a ghostly orb? A remnant of the murdered girl? Or something else? I guess we'll never know, but it was super scary. And as I said, the whole house had a very creepy vibe, so it feels like it was a paranormal thing. So I decided that I would try and be somewhat helpful in my response to this story. And according to the internet at large, blue is the colour of psychic energy and the colour of truth. Blue is a very calming colour, like a soothing blue ocean. In spirituality, people connect the colour blue with guidance. The presence of a blue orb signifies the impression of calm energy some say blue orbs are the presence of spirit guides dwelling in the location and other people say that blue orbs are like guardian angels so there you go joe i've solved your mystery the blue orb was a guardian angel or some sort of spirit guide either way it was something really positive the the, the knife was not going to help the knife was not going to do anything but i i do also appreciate siobhan's moxie with the knife grabbing and story number two comes from sammy this story comes to you from Bristol in the UK in the early 80s. This all happened in the fishing tackle shop that my nan and grampy ran until the late 90s and their cat that they had called Victoria. The shop was situated on a busy high street and was called Talbot's Tackle. Their surname is Talbot and it took me way too long until I was like 24, I'm 28 now, to realise that it was a pun. On top of stocking a lot of fishing gear, rods, maggots, worms and the like, they also ran classes for people who wanted to create their own fly fishing ties. This involved moving all the tables into the middle of the back room and setting up stations to show people how to do the knots and how to arrange the feathers and lures etc. To make a fishing lure, you wrap fishing wire around a lure shaped like something a fish might like to eat, often shiny or made of rubber so it wriggles in the water, like a smaller fish and usually has feathers attached to simulate the feathery sort of fins that fish have. 
I'm not big on fishing myself, but it is an impressive art to make something that looks kind of pretty. One of their customers worked for the BBC and wanted to film some of the fly fishing class. As he was setting up, he complained to my nan, please can someone get that damn cat off the table? Frustrated that the feathers were being moved and that the cat was ruining the shot. There was a moment of confusion where my nan asked, what cat? And he gestured from his camera and said, what do you mean the white one right there? only to look and see that there was no cat visible to the naked eye. My nan has a bit of cheek in her tone, and she was used to hearing about people seeing Victoria, so she said, Excuse me? She's been dead for six years. To which this guy was super freaked out and started shaking. I believe he packed up and headed off after that, too spooked to continue filming. My nan, having experienced quite a lot of supernatural experiences, was not massively shocked. She's always been quite sensitive to things of a psychic nature and has had quite a few brushes with the unexplained. Nan and Grampy never heard from the BBC again regarding the filming and so I don't know what happened to the recording but I would love to know if they still have it. Over the years that the shop was in trading, many people would see her in the window long after she had passed away and you would see them smiling at nothing and tapping on the glass to say hello not knowing they were greeting a cat that was not there. According to my mum, Victoria did not like men, being quite aggressive to them when she was alive, and yet it was mostly men that could see her spectral form oddly. My nan once knew my grampy had injured himself 30-odd miles away before mobile phones were invented. She was at home cooking one day when this sudden panic hit her, and the name of grampy loudly sounded in her head. She was in Bristol and my grampy was in Breen fishing. He had boiled some water to make a cup of tea and accidentally knocked it over and burned his whole leg with scalding water. He was in a lot of pain and all by himself. As soon as my nan had this intense feeling, she got in the car and started driving to where she roughly knew he was. By the time she got there, around an hour and a half, he had managed to stand up but had not yet contacted anyone or sought medical attention. She helped him pack up and took him to the hospital where they confirmed that he had third-degree burns and treated him. Had my nan not gone to get him, he would not have been able to drive to the hospital or potentially even find anyone to help for quite some time, as he was on an outcrop sea fishing. Isn't it amazing that cats are dickheads in life? You know, they spend all their time knocking things off things, jumping up on the table, knocking things down, just for the sake of it. Just to make your life a little bit more miserable. And uh, then they're dickheads in death too. Knocking feathers around. Making sure that that guy is suitably freaked out. Maybe the only reason Victoria appeared to men was to cause them as much discomfort in death as well as in life. Bimmy didn't like men particularly either. And I do think that cats, like all animals, they develop preferences based on their own experiences. So maybe in death she was like, someday somebody's going to tell you that you just saw a goat's cat and made a tit of yourself tapping on the window and um, smiling at it. And that's going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So props to Victoria for being an extra kind of ghost cat. And also props to your grandmother for going, I've had this feeling, this is my intuition, I'm going to listen to it and I'm just going to go. I'm going to get up and go and I'm going to go and find him and make sure that he is okay. Because loads of people wouldn't. People would be like, oh, it's just in my head. It's not anything really serious. I'm just panicking over nothing. And he just wouldn't go. 
And story number three comes from Jenna. So the first story is not mine, it's actually my grandmother's. My mom's side of the family has always been prone to the paranormal, and I grew up hearing more than a few ghost stories that happened to different family members. The first story I want to share happened to my grandmother way before I was born. My grandmother is from Italy and came over to the USA when she was a kid. Her family settled in Michigan, but once my grandmother married her husband, my grandfather, they moved to Delaware and raised a family in Wilmington. My grandmother adored her parents, and I know it was hard on her to move so far away from them. My great-grandfather passed away first, leaving behind his wife and five adult daughters. Most still lived in Michigan, except for my grandmother, who had moved away. It was around Christmas time back in the late 1960s, and my mother, who was a kid, came downstairs one morning to find my grandmother crying on the steps. My mother had never seen her mother cry before, so she was really concerned. When she asked her what was wrong, my grandmother shook it off and said it was nothing. Only later did she tell my mother that she had a dream where her father came to visit her. He's dead, mind you. In this dream, he told my grandmother to go and see her mother because she was sick. Now, let me state that my great-grandmother did have diabetes, but it was well managed, and there was no other illness that she was suffering from at the time. A few days after my grandmother had that dream, her mother passed away in her sleep. I believe my great-grandfather came to her in that dream to tell her that my mom was sick so she could visit her one last time. Although my grandmother didn't get the chance to go to Michigan and see her mother, she did call her on the phone after the dream and at least got to talk to her. Here is another story that happened to my grandparents and my mother years ago. This one is really creepy. Like I said in the last story, my grandparents settled in Delaware and my mother and her siblings grew up there. They moved into a brand new neighborhood, I think it was during the 70s, called Sharpley. From what my mom told me, Sharpley was built on or near an old graveyard or burial ground. I know, it's a recipe for paranormal disaster. Their neighbours that lived in the home behind them, the Daniels, moved in around the same time that they did. The Daniels kids became really good friends with my mom and her siblings as they were all around the same age and the parents became friends with my grandparents. One day my mom noticed a group of people standing outside the Daniels home. There was a priest there sprinkling holy water. My mom asked my grandmother why there was a priest at the house and my grandmother just said he was blessing the house and that was all. Years later after my grandparents had moved out of that neighbourhood and my mom and her siblings had grown up, my grandmother received a phone call from a stranger. The woman on the phone asked if she had lived next to the Daniels years ago. My grandmother said that she had. The woman on the phone explained that she now lived in that home and that strange things were happening, particularly a recurring dream. In this dream, the bedroom would become very cold and misty and a woman in a white robe would come in and stand there. She wouldn't do anything or try to hurt them, but she had had this dream over and over again. It turns out, the wife of the Daniels family had had the exact same dreams this woman was having and had confided in my grandmother about it years ago. That's why there was a priest in the house that day. But my grandmother didn't want to tell my mom the real reason so she wouldn't be scared. Upon further investigation, a man who had lived in that house before the Daniels had had a heart attack and died there. Not sure if he had those dreams too, but the fact that two people, who didn't know each other, had the exact same dream repeatedly years apart is very strange. 
I don't know who lives in that house now, but I wonder if they see the woman too. The last story I'm going to share happened to me and my mom back in early 2011, when I was 14. It was still Christmas break, and I had a project for school that I needed to work on that was due when we got back. My mom worked for a university in event planning and had a whole office building to herself because most of her co-workers were still on Christmas vacation. I decided to go with my mom to work so that I could have a quiet place to work on my project. This office building is a very old building from the 1800s that has been converted by the university to be an office space. It wasn't a large building, but there were three floors and a few offices on each level. My mom had told me stories that the building was haunted. When there was only one or two people left for the evening or early mornings before the rest of the employers came in, People reported hearing noises like footsteps coming down the stairs, typing on the keyboards, voices and keys jingling. This would only happen when the building was almost empty. And trust me, it's small enough where you would know if someone else was there with you. It was just my mom and I in the building that day, and we were sitting in the small lobby area on the first floor. I was sitting on a couch, and my mom was at the desk next to me. We were both quiet doing our work when suddenly I heard keys jingling upstairs. My mom said nothing until I asked, Mom, did you hear keys? She nodded yes. She didn't want to scare me, but she had heard it too. Me, being the dumb teenager that I was, ran upstairs to try and see if I would see a ghost, but there was nothing. At least we confirmed there was no one up there. My mom thankfully switched offices again a couple of years later, but they still use that building for offices, and I know the ghosts are still there playing little tricks. I think we all just need to accept that these dream warnings of people dying are just real. They're just real. They're just a fact. I've got my lab coat on. I'm a scientist now. I can confirm they are real. They are a fact. They happen. They happen to people in all different situations and scenarios. It's just a thing. And I just don't really get how two people in the same house have the same dream at completely different times. Two people who are unconnected. Those dreams are so disturbing that at least one person got a priest involved Like, did something happen to that woman on that site? Was she murdered on that site? Who knows? And in regards to the office working ghosts, the likelihood of all of those people dying within that office building is is very, very slim to none, right? So is it the energy of the building? Like, the building has absorbed all of this daily energy of, like, keys jangling, people typing, people chitter-chattering, doors slamming, drawers opening, all that normal everyday office stuff and then when it's quiet it like projects back that energy or is the building really haunted and that's how the ghosts are choosing to communicate in ways that the living would understand and recognize thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to joe sammy and jenna for sending in your stories remember the last story came from the 3rd of september 2022 and if you would like to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can also check out the website real life ghost stories podcast.com and if you are desperate for extra content you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free and on that note i shall see you next time